Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 1970s-born actors in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. That's right. We have reached the 1970s. Uh, these are people who are, as, at least for this top 10 list, all alive. They're all under the age of 50. And uh, you've probably seen them in quite a few movies, if I dare make that assessment early. And, you know, these are some of the biggest names in Hollywood right now. Oscar nominees, um, and they've got movies coming out, and it's good. It's all good. Uh, Before we get into the top ten, before we get into the top ten, I want to offer a small amount of, uh, or rather, just a normal amount, I guess, of condolences to Maggie Gyllenhaal, who misses the top ten... Uh, by approximately one spot. Uh, one spot separates her from the person who is actually number 10. So I... Uh, it's a shame. But maybe maybe she will improve and steal into the top 10 next time. Next time. So, uh, without any further ado, uh, we're going to jump right in to this month's top 10 1970s born actors starting out with number 10 here we go number 10 born october 28th 1974 in puerto rico uh, i have seen 22 films featuring this person with an average film rating of 64.64. They have been nominated for three Academy Awards. Uh, They have a value of 10.5, a score of 69.75, to be ranked 112th overall. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is ranked 113. But our number 10, uh, born in the 1970s, and number 112 overall is Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, he is pretty big, pretty big name, I would say. Um, feature, you know, he has been in some of uh, some of the best movies ever made. He has been nominated for some Oscars. He is um, been in Best Picture winners. He's been in indies. He's done animated voice roles, horror. Uh, drama, period pieces, mysteries, noirs, musicals. He's covered the gamut. And, uh, you know, he, he's nothing if not a, a unique actor and worth, you know, paying attention to in all of the projects uh, he, he, t- he takes part in. Now, he... Um, so I said, I've seen 22 films of his. Uh, he's got 46 credits on uh, Letterboxd right now. So a little less, so one movie less than 50%. And my favorite film he's been in is Her. Uh, Her is a, you've probably seen it or hopefully at least heard about it. But uh, at the very least, Her is a Best Picture nominee. It is a an original screenplay winner. And still don't think uh, that that it got enough credit that it deserved. You know, it was I gave it a lot of credit during in my Circle of Film Awards. Um, it won screenplay for me, score, tactile effects. Uh, Phoenix himself was not nominated. Uh, it was a strong year for leads, though. So uh, it is. What it is. However, having just done the 2012 Oscars, uh, Phoenix, uh, not Oscars, Circle of Film Awards, Phoenix was nominated for his performance in The Master, another fantastic film uh, that he was a part of, another film that 
I don't think got enough recognition when it uh, from from the Oscars, even though it was nominated for Phoenix, it was nominated for Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Amy Adams uh, in 2012. Uh, beyond that, he's been in some other big name movies. Uh, he's worked with Shyamalan in, on Signs and The Village. He did Gladiator. He was in Walk the Line. He was in Hotel Rwanda uh, just this year. He was in The Sisters Brothers. Uh, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. You were never really here. He's already had a pretty fantastic year so far. Uh, most people like at least two of those three movies, if not all of them. I thought all of them were at least fine, if not good. Uh, Sister Brothers, probably my favorite of the three films. But, yeah, it, it was really strong year for him already. And, you know, I'm... I'm Fascinated to see what's next. Oh, and he even had um, Mary Magdalene this year, which I got to see, which was fine. Uh, that's probably my least favorite of his 2018 releases. And you were never really here. Technically, it's 2017 for me, so it is. It is what it is. I really like Joaquin Phoenix. I think whenever he's on the screen, he brings a certain energy to a movie. Um, trying to think, like some of the first movie, one of, I think the first movie I ever saw him in that I recognize him from is Ladder 49, uh, which is a very, very okay movie, but it was the first kind of uh, real introduction I had to him. Ladder 49 came out back in 2004. Uh, prior to that, you know, I, I wasn't watching movies like... Um, like, The Village came out the same year. I am sure, i don't think I had seen Signs yet at that point. Uh, I didn't realize that he was one of the voices from Brother Bear. So, you know, it was Ladder 49 where I kind of was introduced to him. And then I got to see Gladiator. I did eventually see Signs. And then what really kind of, I think, Walk the Line, I eventually went back and got to see that sometime in college, I think. Uh, and Walk the Line came out in 2005, and then finally, it was the one-two punch of The Master and Her that really kind of finally pushed him over the top for me. And those are really just, you know, I think those are like heads and shoulders above the rest of his filmography. Uh, and The Master, I would probably say The Master is his best performance. He was nominated for The Master, he was nominated for Walk the Line, and he was nominated for uh, Gladiator for Supporting. I really, I would probably go with Master as his best performance, uh, and I, I would feel very comfortable with that. He, he's also been in Inherent Vice, which... Oh, there is a van. Um, Inherent Vice, which... I'm mixed on. I know it has its fans and its detractors. I, I'm pretty mixed on it as the whole. Uh, you've got The Immigrant, which, again, I'm fairly mixed on. Irrational Man, I'm fairly mixed on. Uh, I think these are slightly above average. Uh, good. But none, nothing I'm... I don't know. It's not, not a movie I'm really going to go out and recommend to a lot of other people. On the other hand, you have To Die For with Nicole Kidman that I really enjoy. I think that's really good. You've got I'm Still Here, which is a fascinating mockumentary uh, sort of thing that I thought it has its detractors. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, he featured in Parenthood and Quills, other two other films that I'm really a big fan of. And, yeah, I, I think that he has carved out this niche. He's able to be in these real big opening, big blockbuster movies. And at the same time, he pays uh, his dividends with uh, enough, you know, sort of indies. Especially, This is a big year for him with indies with You Were Never Really Here and Don't Worry You Won't Get Far on Foot and Sisters Brothers and Mary Magdalene. 
pretty pretty much you know satisfied that debt for years already. Some of the films of his I haven't seen, uh, according to Letterboxd, based on popularity, uh, Two Lovers from 2008 I have not seen. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Gwyneth Paltrow, Isabella Rossellini, Vanessa Shaw, Elias Cotius, etc. Um, yeah, I. It's even got a lot of good reviews. I just, I have not seen it. Uh, next is We Own the Night from 2007 with Eva Mendez and Mark Wahlberg, among others. You've got U-Turn with Sean Penn from 1997. The Yards uh, with Mark Wahlberg and Charlize Theron from 2000. Earthlings from 2005, Reservation Road from 2007, Buffalo Soldiers from 2001, Space Camp from 1986, uh, and so on and so on. Uh, but, you know, there's only a couple. Uh, Two Lovers, I've I, you know, it's been on my radar for a while. We Own the Night, I'm familiar with. But beyond that, you know, these aren't movies I'm aware of. Uh, there's a couple of documentaries here towards the bottom in terms of popularity that I'm familiar with. Uh, I think Unity from 2015. I remember seeing, uh, having getting good reviews, and Dominion from 2018. I suppose he is a narrator. One of many narrators in that film, which I've heard a lot of good things about and would like to find if possible. Uh, the only film that is on Letterboxd that is currently slated to be released in the future is the new Joker movie with Joaquin as the Joker. This is an interesting direction. I, I'm fascinated by the stories surrounding this project. I don't know what to expect, uh, either from Joaquin Phoenix or director Todd Phillips, who has made... The Hangover movies, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, Road Trip, War Dogs. You know, I've seen a ton of Todd Phillips movies. And if the, if Joker is like those, then, I, I you know, I, I, I don't, I feel like that it shouldn't be. You know, I feel like it should, I feel like he, he has to make it in a different way. But you've got an insane cast featuring Joaquin Phoenix, Zazie Beetz, Brett Cullen, Francis Conroy, Shea Wiggum, uh, Robert De Niro, Bill Camp, Mark Maron, uh, Josh Pius, you know, a, a strong cast. And the premise is kind of ridiculous. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's really intriguing. I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm very uh, trepidatiously excited for Joker. So, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is my number 10, and number one, number 10 born in the 70s, and number 112 overall. Moving on to number 9. Uh, perhaps one of the two people on this top 10 list that you won't recognize immediately. Uh, she is, was born October 20th, 1971 in New Zealand. I've seen five films that she's been in. She has an average film rating of 86.6, no Oscar nominations, a value of 8, and a score of 69.86 to be ranked 108th overall. Uh, oh, I, I, I mentioned that Maggie Gyllenhaal was one spot behind Joaquin Phoenix. One spot ahead of him is Madeline Kahn. Uh, number 9, ranked 108th overall, is Rachel House. She is one spot ahead of Ward Bond, one spot behind John Hurt. Five film credits. If you've seen, uh, if you're a fan of Taika Waititi, you've seen a movie that she's been in. I'm most sure of that. Uh, she was in Whale Rider from 2002, which is the first movie I saw that she was in, but could not tell you what role she played or how big of a role it was. I don't really remember much about that. I saw it in theaters. That was 16 years ago. I haven't seen it since. Um, after that, uh, I think the next thing I saw her in was Hunt for the Wilder People, which came out two years ago, a Taika Waititi film, starring Sam Neill, Julian Dennison, and Rachel House. And again, she plays a relatively smaller role, but she's an important character in that movie. 
I think, and then I saw Moana, which also came out in 2016, where she has a voice role in Moana. Uh, I believe it is as the grandma. So again, a, a, a smaller role, but a, a, an important one. And then Thor Ragnarok came out last year, but before I saw that, I went back and watched YTD's film Boy from 2010, which is great. Uh, she has a small role in that. And then finally, Thor Ragnarok, uh, in which she plays the right-hand woman of Jeff Goldblum's Grand Master. Uh, her character name is Topaz. So, again, this is... Rachel House is great. I, I love her. She does, you know, she but she's a small role performer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't give... Uh, her a, a wide range of uh, options, let's say. You know, she's got 10 film credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen 50% of them. The other films on here that I haven't seen are Eagle vs. Shark, The Dark Horse from 2014, Perfect Creature from 2006, and then Fracture from 2004, and White Lies from 2013. Um, I've heard of The Dark Horse, and I've heard of Eagle vs. Shark, uh, the Dark Horse, or Eagle vs. Shark from 2007 is another YTD film starring Jermaine Clement, uh, Lauren Horsley, Joel Tobeck, and Rachel House, among others, uh, including YTD himself, uh, which is a film I've heard of. I don't... It looks very strange. Not that that turns me away. I think it's... I don't know. I'm not sure what prevented me from... You know, really watching this because I love YTD as a director, and silly comedy is kind of uh, is a genre I enjoy. And then The Dark Horse from 2014 stars Cliff Curtis and others, uh, directed by James Napier Robertson, uh, who this is his kind of feels like his only real film. Uh, looking at his f filmography. And it is a chess movie, uh, which I wasn't a, should have known based on the poster, but I didn't. And Rachel House plays uh, a character only only named Vagrant Woman, which doesn't seem to be something that would showcase her talents too much. All that said, uh, Rachel House, small roles, but uh, a big personality and a big presence and... Hopefully she gets more roles. Uh, we, I don't know if we'll see her again in the MCU. Uh, I think I feel like we're finished with the Grandmasters planet. So hopefully uh, she'll find a role in further collaborations with Taika Waititi. So number nine, born in the 1970s, and number 108 overall is Rachel House. Next up. Number eight, born in the 1970s. Born April 27th, 1976. 21 film credits to their name. An average film rating of 64.76. Two Oscar nominations. A value of 11. A score of 70.13. And a rank of 101st. Born in the United Kingdom is Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins, uh, recently nominated for her great, great performance in The Shape of Water, Best Picture winner from last year. Uh, I rank, put her in my list as well. She was my number two uh, last year uh, for lead performers. I have also nominated her other times, uh, including Blue Jasmine. Uh, I think, well, that's the only other time, just Blue Jasmine. I love Sally Hawkins. She is just brings such a warm, sweet, uh, caring personality to the screen, even when she's kind of playing against type, like in Blue Jasmine. Uh, she can be fierce and passionate and uh, really, I don't know, I, I find her uh, magnetic in a way that is not easy to be uh, these days. She was in both Paddington movies, 
which are both very good in their own rights, uh, and she is great in them. She was in the 2010 film Submarine, directed by Richard Ayoade, which gets a lot of good press uh, from the people that have seen it. Uh, other films I really enjoy with her, An Education. Uh, I like Vera Drake. Maudie, she's fantastic in Maudie. Uh, Jane Eyre from 2011. Uh, the Double from 2013. Happy Go Lucky from 2008 was kind of uh, a big movie for her. If I'm remembering correctly, she was in a short film, The Phone Call from 2013, that was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, she's done voice roles in a couple of animated films nominated for Oscars, including Stickman. I think that was nominated for an Oscar. And Room on the Broom, I think definitely was. Uh... I've seen 21, did I say 21? Yeah, 21 films of hers. Uh, she has 42 credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen 50. Uh, of the films that have been released, uh, only 41, so 51%. Uh, the one that hasn't been released is Godzilla, King of... Is that the right title? King of Monsters? God of Monsters? King of the Monsters, which comes out next year which is also her most popular film that I haven't seen. Beyond that, there's Made in Dagenham from 2010, All or Nothing from 2002, Fingersmith from 2005, which I have been interested in seeing, uh, Persuasion from 2007, and All is Bright from 2013. Uh, a bunch of others. I don't recognize any of these other posters looking down the list here. But... Definitely some interesting films of hers. Fingersmith is the one I'm most interested in. Uh, I've heard good things about this, and it has a good crop of reviews and ratings on Letterboxd. Co-starring Rupert Evans, Charles Dance, Michelle Dockery, Elaine Cassidy, uh, and among among others. Imelda Staunton, another one there. Imelda Staunton. Yeah. Uh, like I said... Happy Go Lucky was kind of her breakthrough back in 2008. You know, she was already 32 at the time. And in since then, like, an Education, Submarine, The Shape of Water, Paddington's 1 and 2, Jane Eyre. I think a lot of these are really great. Uh, she's not the lead in all of them. Uh, but even her supporting turns in the Paddington movies and Blue Jasmine and in an Education are all worth paying attention to and worth considering and watching because Sally Hawkins just I don't know she she just has a way when she's on the screen of of drawing your attention and you know even in a role where she cannot literally speak like in the shape of water she's able to just with her presence command your eyes look at her and I think that that's really impressive. So one of my favorites, one of my favorite actors on this list by a wide margin uh, is Sally Hawkins, who is number eight, born in the 1970s, number 101 overall. She is one spot behind Clark Gregg and one spot ahead of Lori Allen. Moving on, the other name you might not be familiar with on this list uh, born January 3rd, 1970, barely making the cut for this decade uh, in Connecticut, uh, with six film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 83 even, uh, value of 8.5, a score of 70.75, to be ranked 89th overall, tied with Peter Mayhew, one spot behind Laura Dern, one spot ahead of James Milliken, is Matt Ross. Matt Ross. If you haven't seen, uh, let's see, Matt Ross, I probably recognize him the most from uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, he is the, chair, uh, the CEO of the Google equivalent in, in Silicon Valley. Shoot, what do they call that? Um... Been a while since I've seen the show. <sighs> Boy. Um, um, um. 
<laughs> Matt Ross, come on. Give me something. He plays Gavin Belson. That's right. Hooli. Hooli. That's right. Yes. He plays CEO, founder of Hooli, and becomes the series' main antagonist. That is where I'm most familiar with him from. Now, I've seen him in six movies. I could not tell you anything about any of the roles he plays in any of these movies. So, uh, they are American Psycho, 12 Monkeys, The Aviator, Face Off, Good Night and Good Luck, and The Last Days of Disco. All six are good movies, rated at least a 60 or greater on my list, uh, with Last Days of Disco being the lowest rated of the six. The highest rated uh, is Face Off. And yeah, there's not much else I can say about him. Uh, he was on the series Big Love as Albie Grant. Some of the other films he's been in uh, are Down With Love from 2003, Pushing Tin from 1999, Rose Red, a Stephen King movie from 2002, uh, Just Visiting from 2001, Turn the River 2007, and then we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, he played... He was in a movie in 2013 where he played Johnny Cash with opposite co-star Jewel. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Matt Ross. Um, I would just say watch Silicon Valley for him. He's really good in it. He's he's pretty insane in Silicon Valley. So, uh, yeah, Matt Ross, my number seven, born in the 1970s, number 89 overall. Number six. Go a long way up the list for number six. Ooh, wait a second. Where is he? Hold on a sec. Um. Number six. Okay, found it. Uh, number six. Born September 5th, 1973 in the United Kingdom. Uh, 14 film credits that I've seen. An average film rating of 72.43. A value of 12. A score of 75.38. To be ranked 41st overall. Big jump between six and seven. Uh, one spot behind Buster Keaton. One spot ahead of Ryan Gosling. Is Patty... Considine, Patty Considine, uh, 14 film credits is a good one, I mean, he's he's a good one, uh, they include the entire, or no, two-thirds of the Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz and the World's End, they include the double, which we already mentioned, uh, that starred, um, who did that star, Sally Hawkins, it includes Submarine, which we've already also, also already mentioned. Uh, he was in The Born Legacy, Cinderella Man, Child 44, My Summer of Love, The Born Ultimatum, uh, The Death of Stalin, Pride, 24-Hour Party People, In America, and Journeyman. Uh, he, In America was where I first was introduced to Patty Considine. I saw this shortly after it came out back in the early 2000s. Uh, it's a Jim Sheridan film. Uh, he also directed In the Name of the Father, um, Brothers, and My Left Foot, uh, working with Daniel Day-Lewis a couple of times there. And Patty Considine, Samantha Morton, uh, Jimin Hounsou. In America, I don't remember a lot about it, actually, but I, I really remember when I was younger enjoying this movie which is very strange because it's not a movie a, like a 12 year old me would have really wanted to see it and it wasn't a movie that I thought about a lot after seeing it and it wasn't until kind of 
reflecting on everything I had seen as a kid when I started making my spreadsheet that I went back to in America and said, oh yeah, I did see this. I really like this. This it, it, it moved me. I you know, ten years had gone by almost, and I still felt and I it kind of all flooded back to me in that instant. I remember remembering like I could see Samantha Morton in this movie clearly, Pat Constantine, this you know, immigrant family in the United States down on their luck, um, having lost a kid and not having any money and everything is awful and it just, it, it just, I don't know, it just struck a chord with me, and it's a pretty well-reviewed movie, uh, 3.7 average rating on Letterboxd is pretty strong, but that is what I first remembered Patty Constantine from, uh, I would later probably associate him with the Born Ultimatum for a while, and then you get into Hot Fuzz and The World's End, Submarine, uh, Journeyman, and My Summer of Love, which I love, I, I really, really enjoy My Summer of Love. I saw that almost probably ten, close to ten years after it came out. Uh, that is my favorite film that he's been in. Is My Summer of Love? He's a supporting role in it, but uh, he's very good in it. Very good. Uh, some of the movies Patty Constantine has been in that I haven't seen include The Girl with All the Gifts, which is definitely on my list. Dead Man's Shoes from 2004, Miss You Already from 2015, Now Is Good from 2012, Blitz from 2011, and One Third of the Red Riding Trilogy. Uh, he's in the In the Year of Our Lord 1980 uh, part of that, which I haven't seen any of. A uh, bunch of other films, if you scroll down, and I don't recognize any of them by their poster or title. I've seen 14 of the films on his list. He's got 46 credits, so only about 30%. Uh, so I've got a lot of Patty Constantine to catch up on. Outside of an actor, uh, he is a writer. He has written eight films. Uh, the most notable being Tyrannosaur, which is great, and I really urge you to see it. He's not in it, but he wrote it, and it stars a great great performance from Peter Mullen. Absolutely uh, astounding performance. He was also the director for Tyrannosaur, uh, which is more of a writing and acting powerhouse. I, I think he's good in his direction is great on Tyrannosaur, but it's very I don't know, you know, he, he's a, a young director, inexperienced director. He'd only directed Dog altogether prior to that. Uh, which is a short film. So this was his, you know, foray into feature-length films. Tyrannosaur, great film, uh, but I would watch it more for his writing than his directing. Then Journeyman, which he made last year. He wrote, directed, and starred in. And Journeyman is good. I like Journeyman. It's, a, you know, kind of cliche in a way, a boxer movie with problems and... and scenarios and whatnot, but I, I really did enjoy it. I think he brings a deft touch to the film and, and makes it enjoyable when it would otherwise feel rote. Uh, so Patty Considine, my number six, born in the 1970s, and number 41 overall. Top five, halfway there. Next up, uh, born October 8th, 1970 in Massachusetts uh, with 53 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 61.87, three Oscar nominations, a value of 17, and a score of 76.62 to be ranked 29th overall. And fifth, born in the 1970s, is Matt Damon. Matt Damon. A lot of Matt Damon movies. I've seen tons of them. Uh, 52, according to Letterboxd, 53 on my spreadsheet. He's got 82 credits on Letterboxd. Uh, let me see if that changes when I remove the release, unreleased movies. 81, so I've seen six, almost two-thirds of his movies at this point. Uh, one of the more, one of the people I've seen the most films from. Very few people hit that have hit that 50 mark right now. And 
uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. From Goodwill Hunting to The Departed to The Martian to Saving Private Ryan, The Oceans, Born Trilogies, True Grit. Uh, uh, you've got Contagion and The Talented Mr. Ripley and Chasing Amy and The Adjustment Bureau, Dogma. Uh, what else that I feel like bringing up? Um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Rounders, Brothers Grimm. There's a lot. He's been in a lot of movies. The Good Shepherd, Jerry, Happy Feet. But he's been in some bad movies, right? Everyone has those. Uh, some of, in my opinion, the more notable misfires from Mr. Matt Damon uh, include... Downsizing, uh, The Monuments Men, The Great Wall, Suburbicon, um, The Zero Theorem, uh, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, Cimarron uh, Invictus, I thought was meh, uh, Eurotrip, Syriana, Jersey Girl, Titan AE, Green Zone, um, Promised Land, Happy Feet 2, Mystic Pizza, Stuck on You. Yeah, so, you know, he, he, he balances it out. He balances out the good with the bad. Uh, has 14 films currently rated between 25 and 49. But he has 13 rated, between, rated in the 80s. So he, he's covered the, the, the span, uh, the spectrum. And fascinatingly, you know, some of the movie. There's also Interstellar, which I didn't mention yet. Um, Elysium. Uh, a couple of others here on his list that are cameos, which I won't mention for the sake of they're spoilery. But he's had a couple of cameos and some really good movies that I I enjoyed. I enjoyed the movies. I enjoyed his cameos in them. Uh, I think they're both fascinating. And then a couple others that I, I really like. So, yeah, Matt Damon, I don't know if I would say he's one of the best actors. I think he's a very good actor. Uh, he's certainly, you know, he's won over a lot of people. He's been nominated for his performances in Goodwill Hunting, um, as well as The Martian, and what else was he nominated? Invictus. Those were his three nominations. I guess so. I guess so. You know, I'm not overwhelmed by, you know, his acting prowess necessarily. But I, I do... I respect him. And I think he does a good job when he's in these movies. And I wouldn't, you know, I, with maybe one or two exceptions, I wouldn't say that he gives bad performances with any uh, sense of regularity. Even movies like Downsizing, uh, which I didn't wasn't a big fan of, um, or Suburbicon, you know, he's still doing stuff. He's still getting out there. He's still, you know, trying to push himself in further and further. Great Wall, it's a big mistake. I, I don't know what he thought this was going to do, but Great Wall was... Not great at all. We bought a zoo. Uh, was fine. Like he he does a fine thing in the movie as a guy who buys it buys a zoo. But I thought he was fantastic in Behind the Candelabra. That might be one of my favorite performances of his. Um, he's great in that. You know, The Martian is good, but I felt like he was just kind of being himself rather than, you know, performing. Goodwill Hunting is he's great in that. And Goodwill Hunting is uh, my favorite of his films, followed by Saving Private Ryan and Chasing Amy. I think, you know, he definitely has a lot of skills. He definitely is an actor that can elevate a film uh, when given the right material and I think a lot. I think people in Hollywood, especially, know what that is, and that's why he's been so incredibly successful. And I can't, I can't argue with it from that side of things. So Matt Damon, 
Number five, born in the 1970s. Number 29 overall. Uh, moving on, uh, so Matt Damon, one spot behind Joseph Gordon-Levitt, one spot ahead of Daniel Day-Lewis, the three namers. Next up, uh, also, uh, so this, uh, next up, born in the United Kingdom, number four, born in the 1970s, born September 15th, 1977, 22 film credits that I've seen, 68.14 film average, one Oscar nomination, a value of 14.5, and a score of 76.96, ranked 27th overall, one spot behind Imelda Staunton, and one spot ahead of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just two spots ahead of Matt Damon, is Tom Hardy, Venom himself. Uh, Yeah, Venom kind of dragged his score down a little bit, but... I don't think you can really argue with this this filmography. Mad Max Fury Road is, you know, a lot of people's favorite movie of all time. Uh, Inception, a lot of people love Inception. Dunkirk, The Revenant, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Warrior, Bronson, and The Dark Knight Rises. You know, his collaborations with Christopher Nolan have been incredibly successful for him. Outside of that, you've got Locke, which is, I'm a huge fan of Locke. I think it's incredible, and it's literally just Tom Hardy in a car talking. you got Black Hawk Down, Marie Antoinette, The Drop, which is good if formulaic. Layer Cake is fine. Stuart, A Life Backwards is good. He's been in some fantastic films, and he's really good at uh, picking the right projects. That is key. A couple of misfires. Child 44, This Means War, Rock and Rolla, Lawless is okay, Legend is okay, Uh, Thick as Thieves, okay. But on the whole, you know, he has been pretty incredible. His lone Oscar nomination comes from The Revenant, supporting performance. Uh, For me, you know, I've nominated him couple of times, uh, twice, uh, once for The Revenant, and once for Locke, if I'm remembering correctly. Somewhere, yes, and yes, cool. Uh, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tom Hardy. I think I was really introduced to him in gotta say Inception, then I saw Warrior, and loved Warrior, Uh, then I got to see him in Dark Knight Rises, loved that, and I remember seeing him in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and I, I, you know, he wasn't a huge part of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but I was fine with it, I went back and watched Bronson and Black Hawk Down, Uh, Lawless came out around that time, Layer Cake, went back and watched that. Steward Life Backwards, really enjoyed that, going back to see it. Uh, and then Mad Max Free Road came out. I fell in love with that movie. Uh, Dunkirk came out. I fell in love with that movie. You know, so many great films. And Venom. That brings us to Venom. <laughs> uh, you know, I did a review episode on Venom. I stand by what I said there. It's not a good movie, but it's enjoyable enough. And Tom Hardy is the best thing about that movie. So, for that reason, you know, he... I don't know. He he keeps chugging along, I guess. Uh, But beyond Venom... So he's got three projects on coming out, yet to come out on Letterboxd that uh, I haven't seen. So there's Shackleton, which is credited as a 2018 film. Looks like it'll be 2019. And I have no, no, no idea what it's about. Uh, Fonzo, which is supposed to come out next year, directed by Josh Trank, who directed Chronicle, which is really good, and... The Fantastic Four remake, which is really bad. Uh, Fonzo co-stars Kyle MacLachlan, 
Linda Cardellini, Matt Dillon, among others, uh, where Tom Hardy plays Fonzo Alphonse Capone. Uh, and the poster is terrifying. He looks manic. Uh, then the other film is Splinter Cell, slated for 2020, directed by Doug Lyman, who is the director of The Born Identity, as well as The Edge of Tomorrow, or Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, Die, Repeat, depending on how you feel about it. And yeah, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a fan of Doug, Lyman, Doug Lyman's. He's had some misses. Uh, Jumper is okay. The Wall was meh. Um, but American Made was good. I enjoy Mr. and Mrs. Smith for what it is. I really like Go. And Swingers is good. So he, he's thumbs up in my book. So uh, I'm interested. I'll watch a Doug Lyman collaboration with Tom Hardy for sure. Um, sorting by popularity, some of the films Tom Hardy's been in that I haven't seen. Uh, include Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, what else? London Road from 2015. Withering Heights from 2009. The poster for Withering Heights really turns me off from this movie because Tom Hardy has really long hair and it looks very wrong. Uh, Dot the Eye from 2003 and Waz from 2007. Uh, are some of the more popular films of his I haven't seen. But Tom Hardy, I'm a huge fan of his. I'll watch anything he's in eventually. And yeah, that's it. They're going to make a second Venom movie. I guess that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather he do more stuff that wasn't Venom. But he'll be in it and I will see it. And that's how that goes. So, uh, number four, born in the 70s, number 27 overall, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Number three, sharing uh, at least one film with Tom Hardy, which is uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Born January 30th, 1974 in the United Kingdom. 37 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 64.03, three Oscar nominations and a win, a value of 17.5, a score of 78.24 to be ranked 22nd overall, one spot behind Best Flowers, one spot ahead of Harry Dean Stanton, is Dick Cheney, Christian Bale. Christian Bale, I... Big fan. I love Christian Bale. I saw him in Batman Begins. I saw him in The Prestige when I was younger. And took to him. Uh, took to him so quickly. I was a huge fan from the beginning. I remember seeing him in The Fighter and American Psycho. Uh, I mean, I love all of Nolan's Batman movies. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I just did the Dark Knight retrospective review. Love that. 310 to Yuma. Um, Hostiles, he's great in Hostiles, uh, The Machinist, American Hustle, The Big Short, on and on and on. Uh, not to say that he doesn't have missteps, he certainly does. Out of the Furnace is just okay, I didn't like Equilibrium, Terminator Salvation, uh, The New World is just okay, Knight of Cups, I like, uh, but it is Terrence Malick, so it has its problems. Shaft is fine. Newsies, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of Newsies. The Promise was meh. Um, yeah, you know he's got Reign of Fire is just fine as well. But that said, uh, Christian Bale, one of my favorites. I, I like him quite a bit. Um, outside of the Batman movies. I, I love him in The Big Short. I love him in The Fighter. I love him in most things. Uh, the Prestige is really, though, my introduction to him. Uh, the Prestige... Batman Begins came out first. I definitely saw Batman Begins before The Prestige, but it was The Prestige that really sold me on Christian Bale. You know, playing dual roles in the film and just... I don't know. He... he, he there's parts of that movie where he feels vastly 
uh, outperformed by Hugh Jackman, which is partly the story, which is how the story is presented. But also, you know, Jackman is this big, boisterous, loud character, and, and Bale is much more reserved. And, you know, you can sense in a couple, in some of the scenes in The Prestige, that while both of these aspiring musicians or magicians have the drive, have the focus, have the ambition to be great, I always connected more with Bale. Because, as the ending of the movie uh, shows, you know, he had more of it, you know, and, and which is fascinating because you get to watch Hugh Jackman basically kill himself for his audience, and yet he never goes through the emotional sacrifice and the emotional... Um, roller coaster that Bale's character has to do has to go through uh, to achieve his success and to that I absolutely you know I love it so much it's it's great uh, so that that prestige really just solidified him there and from that point on I was like Christian Bale's in this I gotta watch it Christian Bale you know I gotta Christian Bale Christian Bale Christian Bale so when I started the spreadsheet, that the fighter came out around that time. So I was really excited about that. Went back and watched American Psycho, The Machinist, Public Enemies, um, The New World, 310 to Yuma, etc., etc., etc. Empire of the Sun, um, I'm Not There, which is great. Uh, Rescue Dawn, Little Women, Shaft, Newsies, Portrait of a Lady. Metro Land, uh, all the little animals, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. And that brings us to now. And in a couple of weeks, he makes his public debut as Dick Cheney in Vice. Man, a guy who can play Batman and Dick Cheney. What a world. Uh, it is no understatement and no... Uh, revelation to to, uh, to to say that Bale is one of the greatest chameleon actors we have frequently you know changing his body type uh, size everything like that just to fit the role that he has been given and Vice looks to be as Dick Cheney one of his most transformative roles yet which is astounding. He's gotten a lot of good praise about it. He's one of the leading contenders to win and be nominated for Best Actor this year. I'm very much looking forward to that. But for some people, before that comes out, they will see him in a different movie, which I am equally as excited for, and that's Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, directed by Andy Serkis, starring... Andy Serkis, Christian Bale, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kate Blanchett, Frida Pinto, Naomi Harris, Peter Mullen, Eddie Marsan, Matthew Reese, Jack Rayner, Tom Hollander, and Rohan Chand as Mowgli. I'm super excited for this, and I just I just love Andy Serkis and his motion capture, and that's pretty much it. Besides those two films, I haven't seen Henry V, The Flowers of War from 2011, uh, Harsh Times from 05, Swing Kids from 93, Laurel Canyon from 02, Captain Corelli's Mandolin from 01, or Treasure Island from 1990. Um, so quite a handful of films of his that I haven't seen. Uh, but according to Letterboxd, I'm at 64% of his filmography. You know, I, I'm just, I'm a big fan. I really enjoy Christian Bale and excited to see more, especially Vice. Very looking forward to Vice and excited to see and hear his voice role in, but mocap voice role in Mowgli as well. So that is number three, born in the 1970s, number 22 overall brings us to our number two our penultimate 
actor born in the 1970s, born in California, November 11th, 1974. With 24 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 68.42, five Oscar nominations and one win, a value of 15.5, a score of 78.65 to be ranked 20th, 20th overall, one spot behind Alan Rickman, one spot ahead of Best Flowers, two spots ahead of Christian Bale, is Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, yeah. We talked to, you know, I brought up The Departed already, The Revenant, Inception. Uh, he's worked with Tom Hardy a few times, and he's um, The Aviator. Brought that up already. Um, maybe that's it. I think that's it, though. Leonardo DiCaprio, he was, you know, the golden boy, the one who everyone, you know, was adamant needed to get his Oscar win, and finally he got it for The Revenant. Memes abound. I personally think he was better in The Wolf of Wall Street, and did as, you know, proved as much with um, my own awards, uh, giving him the lead the, the win for the lead performance in Wolf of Wall Street. But it is no small feat to be in some of these incredible films and to have such a great career. You know, he's not the kind of person who's going to be in a blockbuster just to be in it. With, I think, one exception, he's never been in a sequel even. Uh, so you've got... Inception, The Wolf of Wall Street, Django Unchained, The Revenant, Shutter Island, The Departed, Titanic, Catch Me If You Can, The Great Gatsby, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, Romeo and Juliet, Romeo plus Juliet, excuse me, um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which he's fantastic in, Blood Diamond, The Beach, Basketball Diaries, The Quick and the Dead, Marvin's Room, he's been in a lot, and... I've seen most of it. You know, looking at some of the movies down at the bottom of this list, it's things that were never released or, you know, short films based, short documentaries based on movies he's been in, like uh, Titanic, Revenant, Inception, um, documentaries, and, and so on and so forth. Catch Me If You Can documentaries, Titanic, etc., etc. But uh, the movies I haven't seen him in include J. Edgar, Body of Lies, uh, The Man in the Iron Mask, This Boy's Life, and Poison Ivy from 1992. And I don't know, like, I like Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's not somebody I go to see, if that makes sense. I'm not looking... To, to, you know, put him in all the movies that I watch. But when he's in them, I'm happy. So he's not a draw for me. He's just a pleasant experience. And that is ultimately where I stand uh, on Leonardo DiCaprio. He's going to be in Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm excited for that. It'll definitely be a statistics episode with the enormous cast it has garnered and gathered and, and assembled. Uh, DiCaprio. Uh, it took him five nominations to get a win. His win for Revenant came after nominations for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The Wolf of Wall Street, The Aviator, and Blood Diamond. Uh, it took him that long. And now that he's got one, uh, the internet and Twitter and everyone can move on to somebody else to to advocate to get an Oscar. You know, felt kind of like uh, like peer pressure, a little bit. Academy, take notes. I don't know. I, I like Leo. I like Leo, but he's not my favorite, and I'm just happy with him. 
but as I as I've said, you know, he I, I think he's a great actor. I think he's incredible. I did I gave him a win back in 2013 for Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I gave him a nomination for Django Unchained. He nearly won for that and supporting. And I nominated him for The Revenant. Uh, you know, I, I'm no, I'm not against him. No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm not against him as a as an actor. I just, he's just not a draw for me. That's all. Just not a draw. So number two, born in the 1970s, number 20, overall, which brings us to number one. That's right, number one, best actor, born in the 1970s from a statistical perspective. And it was not who I expected. Uh, honestly, I probably would have guessed a Bale or a Hardy. Um, Leo might have made that guess, as made my list of guesses as well. It's not, though. So, number one, born in California, January 7th, 1971. 23 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 69.22, two Oscar nominations, a value of 16.5, a score of 80.18 to be ranked 15th overall, one spot behind Cate Blanchett and one spot ahead of Burt Stevens, is the surprising, perhaps, uh, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. And part of this is thanks to Marvel. He's been in Thor, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Avengers, Captain America, Civil War. And while those aren't all incredible, amazing films, they're all at least fine, which helps. Uh, he was in American Hustle, which is very good. He was in Wind River, which is very good. He's been in the newer Mission Impossible movies, which are good. He was in Hurt Locker, which was great. The Town, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Great movies. 28 Weeks Later is good. The Immigrant is good. Uh, Kill the Messenger is good. Um, and that's not even to speak of Arrival which is my favorite film that he's been in. He has a pretty fantastic filmography. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, you've got movies like Tag, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, uh, Born Legacy, The House, SWAT. But, you know, all in all, uh, he deceptively has a one of the better filmographies around. Uh, North Country, another good one that he's been in. So, it's, you know, it was a surprise when I saw his name, but you look at the list and, yeah, I guess it makes sense. He's been in some great movies, he's given some really good performances. When he's given the opportunity to be the leading role, you know, like a Hurt Locker, like a Wind River, he delivers, and he's pretty good in it. Even his supporting turn in Tag, I enjoyed. You know, I don't think the movie's very good, but I liked him in it, and I had fun watching it. So, yeah. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Uh, I mentioned that he had been nominated for two Oscars. Uh, the first is for The Hurt Locker, and the second is for The Town. That's it. And that, I think that's fair. I think he does a great job in both of those movies. Um, Arrival is the best movie I've seen that he's been in, but I wouldn't say that he was given a ton to do in that movie. He's good in it. And, you know, his turn in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is nothing if not uh, sporadic. If Captain or if um, Avengers Infinity War name dropping him without showing him in the movie is anything to go by. Outside of these movies, the movies I haven't seen that he's in include Avengers 4, which I believe is being called Avengers Endgame, given the trailer that dropped this morning that I will not watch. Uh, 
the other movies of his that I haven't seen. The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things from 2004. Dahmer from 2002. 12 and Holding from 2005. Black Widow, which is slated for 2020. Uh, Senior Trip from 95. A Little Trip to Heaven from 2005. And Neo Ned from 2005. Uh, a couple of good looking posters, at least. Looking at the bottom of uh, the list of movies here that I haven't seen. But, yeah, I don't know. Jeremy Renner. Um, I'll watch all the Marvel movies, so I will see him for as long as he survives. Uh, which, who knows how long that could be. Um, yeah. So that's that's Jeremy Renner. Again, like I like Jeremy Renner. I think he's good, a good actor, but he's like Leo, not somebody I go to a movie for. I'm not following his career. I'm not hoping that he's in all my movies, but I'm never upset to see him. And you know, that's worth something, I guess. So, uh number 1, born in the 1970s, number 15 overall is Jeremy Renner. Just to run down that list one more time, we have at number 10, Joaquin Phoenix, Rachel House, Sally Hawkins, Matt Ross, then a long gap until we get to Patty Considine, Matt Damon, Tom Hardy, Christian Bale, Leonardo DiCaprio, and finally, Jeremy Renner. Those are the top 10 actors born in the 1970s for me right now. Uh, Based on my presumed schedule, (laughs) we won't come back to these for two years, so things could look a lot different in that time. We will have at least one Marvel movie from Renner uh, in that span. So, uh, yeah. That said, uh, that's it. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. And now, the outro, courtesy of Meg Burquist. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circle film for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute.